What's up? Happy New Year, Bucketheads. It's Joe with that CBB DFS, and we are back. And of course, I am not alone. Bird and James, how are we doing? Happy 2021. We're doing great. Ready to kick 2021 right in the balls. Because <laughs> 2020 <laughs> did that to us. Yeah, that's right. Re- return the favor. Maybe we can. Like Brad come- Davidson. Oh, we w- we're going to start with Brad <laughs> Davidson already? They're not even on the slate. <laughs> I love those. Every time there's a Wisconsin article, you just know James is going to talk about teabagging somebody or whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's let's Brad Davidson 2021 and uh, get it off to a great start. I uh, want to thank all the Bucketheads for tuning in and finding us on this Saturday morning. And uh, we're going to get you prepped for the Saturday slate today. The, it's another one of our Saturday morning shoot-around pods, and we're going to break down the big jam that has 3K going to first. We have eight games on the slate to talk about. Of course, we've bucketed them like usual into our nautical-themed don't-go-overboard, tread-water-and-dive-in buckets. Um, but, Bird, I want to go to you first. What is your first takes after looking at uh, at the slate we have Saturday? Yeah, so, one, it's it's 3.45 Central Time on Friday, so who knows how many games will be left on the slate by the time you guys listen to this. Um, but we already lost Virginia and Virginia Tech. That game is gone. But hold on. That, that, that's okay. It's yeah. okay that that one's not on the slate. I mean, James, you're our ACC game. Are you sad that you don't get to talk about that Virginia Virginia Tech game? Not really. I had a couple deep cuts, but it's yeah, it's it was largely fadeable game to begin with, so not much <laughs> loss there. I think Ken Palm had a projected 121 on there because there was no line. It was. I, I'm not sad to see it go. So we're down to seven, right? Yeah, and that's about how much time we would have talked about that game uh, anyway. So so not a big deal there. Uh, overall slate takes, though, I thought super soft pricing. Um, I think there's going to be a couple really popular uh, lower-priced plays. Uh, probably going to see a lot of stars and scrubs lineups uh, and probably some really high scores just because there is a lot of value on the slate tonight. And the he-man himself, Luke, is on the slate. So what do you think his ownership percentage will be? Well, when you can get guys for super cheap, I think it's going to be really high. Most people are probably going to have two studs on their roster, and I think Luke is going to be obviously one of them. So, <laughs> uh, Good deal. Well, that one, uh, not to provide a spoiler, that one will be the last one in the, in the dive-in section because I think that's got our highest total for tomorrow. Um, but before we get into the games, um, James, do we have any new reviews out there on iTunes? Yeah, we sure do. We got a couple <clears throat> that came in here last week. Uh, we got one from Mr. Perfect 1911. I uh, assume that's Kurt Henning. Uh, I thought yeah, he had passed, but yeah, looks like beyond the grave he reached us, listens to the show. That's cool. Uh, really appreciate these guys and the write-ups and they, that they provide on a daily basis. Very detailed and in-depth. The info they are providing is definitely takedown material on each slate. One lineup is all you need. Shout out to the Bucketheads. Hopefully one day these guys go with live streams. So we'll, something we've talked about, we'll definitely take that into consideration. Mr. Perfect, thank you. And while you were reading that, James, I tossed a towel over my left shoulder and caught right. it behind my back. Yeah, that's amazing. After that, I spit out my gum and slapped <laughs> it across the room. So if we have any classic, classic perfect fans listening. How many 300 uh, games did he bowl in those videos? Oh, my gosh. All <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> His form was great. He was a southpaw, wasn't he? It was, oh, whatever yeah. it was, it was perfect. Southpaw yeah. straight ball, and it just blew up those pins. <laughs> All right. Well, we're good with uh, our uh, memory lane, Mr. Perfect takes. Um, we got another one, though, right? Yeah, we sure do. This one's from Coach Chino. Uh, it says these guys uh, bring their A game every single day. Uh, if you aren't subscribing and following them on Twitter at CBB underscore DFS, you're missing out. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So thanks a lot, Coach Chino. That really means a lot for us and uh, appreciate all the feedback. Yeah, thanks, Coach. He's an elite, elite coach. Yeah, obviously a great coach. Probably has some team uh, undefeated at this point in whatever season he's coaching. Yeah, they could probably beat Kansas State, even if it's like a junior high. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh boy. It's going to be one of those pods, is it? Well, hey, um, guys, before we get into the games, I want to ask you something. Since it is the new year, it's January 2nd. Excited for what's ahead. College bowl games are going on right now, but college football's coming to a close. NFL playoffs start in two weeks, and that's going to come to a close. Pretty soon, us and the NBA are going to be only things in town, which is awesome. But from a CBB perspective, I asked the question today, if you were a CBB player or team, what would your 
New Year's resolution be from their perspective? And uh, before I, you know, ask you guys your hot takes on this, uh, I want to do a shout out to Chris Meredith, who did uh, <laughs> on Twitter just hashtag free Sharif, obviously referring to Auburn Sharif Cooper. That uh, would be an awesome ad right now. Um, I don't know if we're going to get that, but uh, that was awesome. We also got a direct message that said, my resolution is to start winning basketball games. And it was signed by Kentucky, which I thought was creative. (laughs) Um, 2021 for them can't be worse than 2020. Uh, But James, if you were a player or a team, uh, would you have a specific resolution this year? Yeah, I think for me it's – for Caleb Love and, and North Carolina, he's uh, their stud freshman point guard this year, and he's really struggled shooting the ball. He's shooting about 15% on the year uh, from three, uh, but he leads the teams in three-point attempts, and so there's obviously still a lot of trust there in him. He shot 40% in high school. He was around kind of the St. Louis metro area um, for folks that kind of live around there like us, um, but he, uh, you know, I think he's got to keep shooting. I think his New Year's resolution is keep shooting the ball and eventually – It'll go in, and that's going to mean so much to that team. That's going to make that team so much better um, if he can, you know, really start hitting those consistently. So I, I think that would be mine. Yeah, that's been tough to watch. He's been a mini Kentucky basketball all in, in himself. <laughs> Bird, what about you? And, and with Caleb Love, I mean, if, if he is going to keep missing shots, get the ball down low, right? I mean, why is Garrison Brooks yeah. only getting seven shots a game? And, and things <laughs> right. like that? Oh, Lord. Yeah. That's a little bit ridiculous. Mine would be just a general – for, for coaches, your new New Year's resolution of college coaches is don't auto bench players after two fouls. There's just nothing more tilting mm-hmm. from a DFS perspective to watch your guy get two fouls at the 17 minute mark and then you don't see him until the second half. So that's for all coaches out there. Let's get that foul participation rate up uh, and let the guys play. All right. And I'll do a quick one here just because last year as a group, we kind of adopted Seton Hall um, because Miles Powell made that team exciting and fun. I, I, have you checked in on Seton Hall lately? They're playing some good basketball. They've won seven of eight. They just beat the crap out of Georgetown on Wednesday. Um, my my resolution, if I'm Seton Hall, is to keep this momentum going, keep keep this swagger that you're developing. Um, they've got a Butler, uh, which isn't on our slate tomorrow, but uh, I, I'd like to see Seton Hall keep it going. And I don't think Butler puts up much of a threat this year. So, um, from a Pirates perspective, keep keep it going. Because, yeah, uh, Aikens looked really good getting a little extra minutes lately, and I think he looks that, that offense looks really solid when he's on the court. It does. He adds another shooting touch, and I know he was in the 3,000s this week, and you know we, we recommended playing him a couple times, and uh, he paid off if he did. So um, I'm sure he'll be in the fours and then eventually in the fives and sixes if his progression keeps going. But, hey, that's enough about talking about teams that aren't on the slate. Uh, again, happy new year to the listeners and to all the bucket heads out there and to you and your families. 2021 is going to be great, but let's start off talking about Saturday's slate, 11 o'clock central times tip. Now, since Virginia and Virginia tech, which had that 121 over under, according to Ken Palm was going to kick off our don't go overboard section. Since that's been canceled bird, let's get your Jayhawks out of the way, Texas and Kansas, awesome basketball game, but the over under puts it in this first bucket yeah don't go overboard section so this is at a over under of 137 uh two really really good defensive teams uh, and like you said should be a great game two top 10 teams uh, should be a lot of fun uh looking at the prices you know, i was surprised uh, greg brown at 8500 is yeah. is just crazy like mm-hmm. i was looking forward to you know trying to play him i was figuring he'd be you know 6500 or something like that but just completely unplayable at that price i mean am i missing something here not, no, it's just kind of it's just kind of a weird one. When Coleman actually averages more fantasy points per game, is around that 6,500 point. That's 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 an oddball. Yeah, this is when those projections and like projection tools and things like that. He's gone, you know, 49, 38 his last two games, but but one of those was against a cream puff. And like, he's just he's an awesome player, obviously, but about 8,500 is, is just nuts. Uh, Joe, you mentioned Matthew Coleman. I, I do like him always. You know, he's at 6,400. Um, he's going to play all 40 minutes. I think he's got a really high floor, one of those solid cash game plays that you can look at. Uh, Courtney Ramey is at 5,700, and he's got 27 or more DK and four straight uh, before an egg last game. But this is a really nice bounce back spot. He's 1,500 lower at his price point, and I prefer him over Andrew Jones for the 300 less. Ty Jones has really played well this year uh, for Texas down low, um, but he hasn't hit 4X and four straight. 
Um, so, so I'm probably not going to look at him. Uh, Jericho Sims. Well, I'd, I'd rather play Chris Jericho than, than Jericho <laughs> Sims if we're going to talk wrestling today. Um, but, but really, it's, it's, it's Coleman and Ramey that are, that are probably my favorite plays for Texas. Uh, Jace Fabrice might come back for the Longhorns, so that's something to keep an eye out for. He would take away a few minutes uh, in that backcourt. Um, but over, overall, those are my two favorite. Anything anything else you guys see on the Texas side? I know in the past, uh, Kansas has been kind of exposed by stretch fours. Is that uh, is there anybody on this team that that could attack Kansas that way? And oh, and when Greg Brown can. I mean, that's he's he's actually shot the ball really well from behind the arc. Um, I think it's a little different this year with with Jalen Wilson in the lineup, uh, having a mm-hmm. guy who can actually go out and defend a little bit on the perimeter. And even David McCormick, you know, is is active. You know, sometimes too too active. But I think they do a better job this year. It isn't it isn't as much a play stretch fours against Kansas as it used to be last year. Right. Not to uh, force the transition on you, Bird, but uh, McCormick. What are, what are your thoughts on him on the Kansas side? Big Dave. I think he's he's my favorite play again. I think I've got like a love affair yeah. with, with Big Dave. I, I'm done with Jermaine Samuel, so now it's Big Dave McCormick <laughs> time. So he's, he's only 5,500. Uh, he played really really well last game against West Virginia. Uh, and, and with the length that Texas has down low, you've got you know six ten, six eleven, six ten. I think you have to play. He has to play twenty five minutes a game just out of necessity. Uh, and I think he's got you know double double upside at fifty five hundred. So I think he's I think he's a good play. And, and the rest of the Jayhawks I think are really fairly priced. Like I, I think they're all right where they should be. Uh, Ochai Agbaji is seventy four hundred. He's had twenty eight DK points in eight of nine games this season. So super high floor. Uh, Jalen Wilson, uh, probably more of a tourney uh, target for me. Sure. Uh, you know, think about Texas and those long, athletic front court players. I don't think he has as much of a matchup advantage as he would against uh, a Derek Culver or something like that. Um, and so, obviously, still in play for tournaments, uh, but maybe not as much. Uh, maybe a little bit lower, lower floor than normal. Uh, Marcus Garrett's played really well lately. Twenty-seven DK and three straight. He's going to play all the minutes as well. So another high floor play. And then Christian Brown at sixty-three hundred. Kind of that boomer bust guy, right? He's got a 40 burger on the year. He's got a 50 mm-hmm. burger on the year. Uh, but Texas is really good defensively. So he is definitely a tournament play only, um, but he does have upside. So I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, like we said, don't go overboard here, but but I think there are a couple of plays, especially Ramey and, and, and Dave McCormick, I think are guys you could, you could potentially look yeah. at. Quick note on Texas uh, too. They are really good at defending the three-point line. Um, they're only allowing teams uh, to shoot 27% from three. They're only allowing teams to get 20% of their uh, points from three in general, which is uh, which is crazy. So that uh, I would I would think maybe downgrade the you know guys like a Christian Brown that uh, are going to do a lot of damage from three. Yeah, good call out, James. Yeah, and, and Bert, I want one more follow up uh, just because I know you're a Kansas fan, um, but. I, I don't see a lot of depth on this team right now. And you talked in great detail about the five starters, but who's that guy to give them some spark off the bench from a pricing perspective. There isn't another Jayhawk over 3,600. Is there, is there a DFS option there? Oh, uh, not right now. There's not, I think I got to keep an eye on Bryce Thompson still. Uh, you know, he was a five-star guard started the year really well. Um, but, but he's struggled of late. He's, he's trying to, you know, a typical freshman, right? He hit the wall yeah. uh, in December. And he's probably a guy that, that come February is probably going to getting more rotation minutes. And I think, you know, giving Garrett some rest, giving Agbaji some rest, Brown some rest. So I think he's a guy who can who can play himself into minutes, uh, but he's just got to get that trust back from himself. And so I, I don't think it's going to be against Texas, um, but I think that is a guy we can watch kind of moving forward. So not not now, but we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, because these prices are just kind of jaw dropping. You're starting fives all over 5,500, but then no one else. You know, it just it it's it was it, it stood out to me. Yeah, I think they wanted Ty and Grant Foster to have a bigger role too, and and, and he's had some splash games. But uh, between those two, TGF and and Bryce Thompson, I think one of those will emerge at some point. It's just probably too early to say I, I'm going to play them against Texas on Saturday. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> We're so poor. <laughs> All right. Uh, are we good on uh, Kansas, Texas? I think we are. It's going to be a great game, two top 10 teams. Um, but from a DFS standpoint, maybe a player or two out of it. But, you know, don't go don't go overboard, as they say. Or do you want to get into the next game on the don't go overboard section? Yeah, I won't talk as much about this one because I, I just it's just not as fun of a game. Utah at USC, over under of 139. Uh, Utah played UCLA down to the wire. Uh, yesterday and, and then USC looked horrible 
against Colorado. So we'll see which USC team shows up on Saturday. Uh, Timmy Allen keeps getting it done for Utah, 7,500. He basically scores 30 DK points every single game. So a high floor play. Uh, Alfonso Plummer, uh, 6,300. He's got 30% shot share for Utah. Um, I think he hit his first four threes of the game uh, to open it up against UCLA. So he's got that high kind of upside. I couldn't believe he was like 30% owned on the slate yesterday at UCLA. So there, there must be some plumber, some plumber fans out there. Um, <laughs> but he, he's definitely, he's, he is a tournament option, right? I mean, he's got, he's got upside. Um, and, and so he can go. Ryland Jones has been just okay in his sophomore year at 5,600. He's going to be right around 4X, but doesn't really have much of an upside. Uh, with Jonathan with back, I, I really don't want any involvement with their post players. Uh, and Pell Larson from, from Sweden, it's going to be a great player. He's just not getting it done yet. There's no consistency there. Um, so it's probably just Allen or Plummer uh, for me at this point. Uh, James, anything you saw in this game or anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I think uh, it's Riley uh, Batten. Is that his name? Is he kind of um, doesn't look like he plays a ton of minutes, but he does look like he's a pretty good rebounder. Is is he somebody that you can even look at for 4,600 in this game? With, with Jantun in back and, and Riley Batten and, and Carlson, they kind of all just like a, it's like a revolving door. Down low um, at, at center. I just don't trust any of them right now. I, I just don't think any of them are worth a play. And, and they're probably going to they're going to have their hands full with the, with the Mobley brothers as well. So I, sure. I just don't see it from him. Now Evan Mobley had a terrible game. Obviously his last outing, uh, priced at eighty nine hundred. Uh, is this a bounce back spot for him? Could be. I mean, he's elite shot blocker, right? Future lottery pick. Uh, he can. I think he's got that upside. Um, but what, you know, low 20s usage for a guy who's supposed to be a lottery pick. And Joe, this is the t- that type of stuff that drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. If you're an alpha, why do you have a, a, a low 20s usage rate? Yeah, take control of the game. Uh, I mean, be a little more assertive. And he can do that. He has done that in games. We just, it, the fact that we didn't see it this week and what should have been a smash spot um, was very, very frustrating. Um, I, I was one of the many, I think, who started Mobley earlier this week. Was that the Colorado game, Bird? Yeah, Colorado, 22 DK points in 38 minutes. Yeah, that and at 9,500, I think he was. That, that that's a lineup burner. So um, I, he's a, he's a tremendous talent. Um, he he'll be intriguing if he's available on Prize Picks, and we'll talk about that a little bit later because he does block shots like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't didn't score with Mobley. His brother's still too expensive for me, but I did play Taj Edie. But I think he's priced up now. He's a scoring dependent guard. But he was their number two option, and as Mobley stunk, uh, Edie was a good play for me on Thursday. Edie went Peterson for 31. Bird. What, what's that, Joe? I'm sorry. Oh, I just said I noticed that Peterson was down. Drew Peterson was down. He is. He, he started out the year hot, um, and, and he's came back down to earth a little bit. Kind of His minutes are down, too, which is a little concerning. Um, and, and we got to keep an eye, too, to see if to see if Ethan Anderson comes back at, at guard, too. I think he warmed up maybe a little bit last game, or he's starting to practice. I just – you, you want to play – Evan Mobley, and I think people are going to want to play stars and scrub lineups this week. Um, but like you said, Joe, you, you really need those stars to smash when you do that type of lineup. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it sucks. You know, when you when you hit five, six X on your low price guy and your your elite player burns you, it's it's super tilting. It does. Uh, when I wrote up a USC this week, I did see that they were probably waiting another week for Anderson, so okay. I wouldn't pencil him in for Saturday. But it's close. He's close, and that'll be a bump that they need, especially on the wing. Yeah, don't go overboard. I think there's a couple plays, but but overall, there, there's there's juicier spots out there. Juicy is good. We like juicy. Um, let's go into the next section. Let's go into the tread water section, guys. This is where we talk about games where we kind of like the over-under. It's middle of the road. You might have a little game stack you could do in here. And I want to talk about an SEC showdown first. That is uh, Missouri, after getting boat raced by Tennessee this week going on the road to take on unranked but 9-0 Arkansas. Now, Arkansas is a five-point favorite. The pricing in this game is very appealing. Uh, There's no one on Missouri's team over uh, 6,600, and this is a game where they're going to get paced up and have an implied point total around 70. So there should be some opportunities here. Mizzou won the last meeting, uh, but before that, Arkansas had won the five previous. And uh, Arkansas, you know, they're just really playing well right now. They're the... 24th most efficient offense on Ken Palm, and that's reflected in their pricing a little more so. If you're looking for Razorbacks at home, uh, Moses Moody's 7,000, 
Um, we always like him. He's averaging around 31 fantasy points per game. Uh, Desi Stills is their highest price guy at 7,100. I think he's more of a safe cash play. Uh, after that, you got J.D. Note. Um, he's coming off the bench, but gets up all the shots. He's got high usage rates, high shot rates, and he gets starter minutes in the long run. Those three guys are all around 7,000. I would rank them Moody, uh, Nate, and then Sills. The forward's a little more jumbled. Justin Smith's been okay. Connor Vanover's only 5,000. He looked great last game, actually hit a triple, um, and he's at 7-3. He's going to pull down some rebounds. So at 5,000, I still think Connor is very much in play. Um, and then you have uh, Jalen Tate as well on the wing. Uh, he's another uh, guard option that is kind of overlooked but has some abilities to score. Um, he's 5,500, and that kind of wraps up the Arkansas guys I would consider. Smith looks like he's been struggling with an injury. If he doesn't play, is uh, does Vanover, is that somebody you really want to look at pretty hard at that point? Yeah, I think Vanover becomes must-play at that point because they have given him 30 minutes in a game before. Um, so it's not a conditioning thing, and he's he's – how do I say this nicely? Bird, you might have to get the edit, editing train out. He's, he's a bit of a soft defender. And I say that in a, he's not going to, he gets his block shots by his length. He doesn't do it by getting physical and body right. and something and force them into something off balance. Right. So was that pretty nice, Bird? Did I do a good job? You did Ed? good. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a toothpick out there. He's not going <laughs> to pop anybody up. He's not going to body anybody. He's not going to pick up a ton of fouls. So he, and he's obviously played at this size for a long time. So um, he surprisingly doesn't have a high foul risk. Um, Vance Jackson would probably get a little bit of run if Smith can't go. Uh, but from what I'm seeing, we'll, we'll, we'll watch it in the morning and keep you guys posted on Twitter on his status. Vance go Jackson ahead. from New Mexico. He, he was a good rebounder while he was in New Mexico. So, I mean, maybe he can do a little bit something. And, and I think Tate, Tate appeared to be healthy after last game, and so he's at 5,500. That's a nice price. It is a nice price. Yeah, and he's he's back. There are no, no limitations on him anymore. I still think if you want the value, though, you really want to look at the Missouri side of things. Drew Smith is 6,600. Uh, again, they played Tennessee, which is an elite, elite defense. You know how great Gonzaga's offense is? That's how good Tennessee's defense is, right? So when you see Missouri's last game log, don't 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 put as much stock in it. But Drew Smith at 6,600 is a guy who can go out and get four four x almost automatically um, with upside to go five and six x. He rebounds, he passes, he scores. Um, Xavier Pinson is actually the ball hog, the big shot shooter. Uh, so he's going to get up the most shots at six thousand dollars. You can always take a take a chance that in a pace up game he's going to get loose for 20 points and add some ancillary stats and hit value. Jeremiah Tillman is a constant headache with his foul trouble. He's talented. He's big. He's experienced. Um, but 5,200 is like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'd rather play the upside of Vanover at 5,000 than taking a swing at Tillman, who could have a good game, but then uh, could could kind of stink a little bit. And then finally, looking through the the rest of the guys that are all in the low fours, uh, Mark Smith at 4,200 seems like a head-scratcher. Uh, assuming there's no news that I'm not privy to right now on him, that seems like a really good play for someone who can go out and get 25, 20, 60 K um, as an experienced player and an excellent shooter. Mitchell Smith will fl- will uh, filter in on in the post. So will Kobe Brown, but th- these are rotational guys who are going to be around 20 minutes who your ceiling is four X. Yeah. And I, I would, I would kind of echo what you said earlier, Joe, I, I watched the Illinois and the Bradley game, of course. Uh, Bradley, really good defense, sort of under the radar if you don't follow mid-majors, but they're, they're a really good defense as well. And so I think when you look past these these la- those previous three games, you know, a guy like Mark Smith even had six shots against Illinois, six shots against Bradley, two against Tennessee. That's way under his norm. And you get into a pace-up game like this one that he's going to be into, it wouldn't be a surprise for him to get up 11 shots, 12 shots in this game uh, or more. And at 4,200, you know, a few of those go down. He gets hot. You never know. Uh, sure. But I, I think he's a great GPP play. Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah, 44% three-point shooter. You know, his first four games of the year, he had 18, 15, 19, and 17 points. And then he played Illinois, a top-10 team, Tennessee, the, arguably the best defense in the nation, and Bradley, probably one of the better mid-major defenses you'll see all year. Yeah. Uh, that's That could be a nice steal for you guys. Yeah, you look at you look at Arkansas. They gave up 75 points to Central Arkansas. They gave up 76 points to Oral Roberts. They gave up 
72 points to Abilene Christian. And they gave up 85 points to an Auburn team that's not very good. So like you guys said, I think targeting some of those Missouri players, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Hopefully Pinson's uh, New Year's resolution is to actually make shots instead of <laughs> shoot shots. So we'll see. We'll see. So I, I think that'll be a fun game. I think there's a lot of plays on here on both sides, of, and uh, some winning lineups will have some of these guys involved. Now, let's shut the door on that one. That's my new one for 2021. Instead of putting a bow on it, we're shutting the door. Um, let's shut the door on Missouri-Arkansas and open the door for West Virginia, uh, the Schwebe-less West Virginia at Oklahoma. Bird, start with the breaking news on Oscar. Yeah, uh, Shibwe is gone. Uh, he left the team, and, and Huggins shut the door on any chance of him coming back. They asked him a little bit ago, you know, is there any chance he comes back on the team this year? And he said definitively no. So, oh, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, Shibwe's gone, but that does create, you know, obviously the, probably going to be the highest owned, one of the favorite plays on the slate in, in Gabe Osabian at 3,800. Uh, he is an elite rebounder. Just a super try-hard. Uh, Huggins loves him. Like He gives so much effort off the bench. You just have to pray he doesn't go to the foul line because he is a horrible free-throw shooter. Um, but at 3,800, he's kind of a lock and load. I'd assume he's going to step in and play you know, 25, 30 minutes at that at that power forward position. So someone to look for there. But, man, Shibway is a, is a big loss for a team that had Final Four aspirations, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I hope he's okay. They were already talking rumors of a transfer, so I don't know. Maybe him and Huggins had a falling out. I'm not sure. Um, you know, the number the number two school behind West Virginia was Illinois in that recruitment. Oh, oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then Kofi next to each other. Kofi gone, bring in Oscar? That's right. Oh, man, that'd be some heat. That would be. I don't want to start any rumors. I have no, nothing to validate that. Just making a point. Although we've grown a lot in 2020 and into 2021, I don't think we're quite big enough to start the whole rumor. That's though. probably true. But uh, we can try. We could try to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw him at Champ- in Champagne a little bit ago. He was. That's right. <laughs> he was there. So speaking of, of big, Eric Culver is still at West Virginia, and, and he's at 8,300, averaging almost a double-double. And, and I think he's fine. There's there's nothing scary about Oklahoma's front line. There's probably more intriguing plays out there, but but he's I mean any guy who can get a double double with a couple blocks is is going to be a good play. And 8300 is not a terrible price. Miles McBride uh, he has 30 DK in three straight games, plays the most minutes for West Virginia. Uh, he has steel upside, so I think he's priced correctly. Uh, maybe we see a little bit a little bit more of Emmett Matthews. Uh, he's at 4400, and McNeil is kind of a shooting dependent flyer for for West Virginia at 3800. Uh, so, so I do think Osabian is probably like for me, a lock and load, lock him in, 3,800 price saver, who's going to get you 20 plus DK points. What about, yeah. do, you, do you think, sorry, James, do you think Emmett Matthews at 4,400 gets more responsibility uh, or more lineup flexibilities when you lose a man that size on a forward like that? Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. I think he could get a little bit more, you know, six, seven, can kind of do a little bit of everything, maybe helps a little bit with the rebounding. Because uh, Osabian comes. Uh, he also being only really played in spurts so far. He's, he's awesome in spurts, but he's only played in spurts. So you could see Matthews getting a little bit more and he can shoot. He can do things. So, so maybe he gets a little bit more usage. He's been around a long time. I don't mind him as a flyer, like you said, at 4,400. But you, I mean, if you're, if you're choosing, you're, you, you lean also being right now. Yeah. Also being a cash game lock, um, along with a Florida player that we're going to talk about later. But, but yeah, I, I, I liked him before she left. Former Arkansas player. Former Razorback, so he, he's he's good. He can go. Oklahoma's given up forty uh, percent of opponents scoring just from three. Um, so uh, I, I look at a guy like Sean McNeil, who's your classic boom and bust. You mentioned uh, Bird, but may, maybe this is a good spot for him uh, at thirty-eight hundred. It's dirt cheap, obviously, but maybe you can throw him into a GPP lineup. See what happens. Yeah, if you watched the game against Kansas, he just was unconscious from yeah. behind the line. Couldn't he, miss first half. he plays good minutes too. Yeah. Well, Oklahoma has been an offensive juggernaut, but defensively there's still some issues there. I haven't checked in with them for a while, but Bird is our Big 12 guy. Any, anything changed from the normal recipe that uh, OU's been rolling out? Uh, well, Brady Manick stinks. That, that's changed. Mm. Uh, that, that is new. Yeah, he's he's like Nate Reavers this year. He just cannot get it done. He's he's priced all the way down at 6000 He hasn't exceeded 16 DK points in three of his last four games. But he's still taking 29% of the shots while he's on the floor. Right. We, we know he's talented. This this is a good matchup. It, it's Culver. If Culver has to chase him around, like there's no reason at home 
that man, I can't go get you 30, 35 DK. Like there's, there's no reason he, he's a guy who put up 40 several times last year. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's, I mean, he's a, you know, get right. Hopefully 2021 is the year for him to, to realize that he, he's a really good basketball player uh, again. And, and so at 6,000, I think he's worth a shot in tournaments. Uh, Reeves is still their, their primary usage guy at 8,000. He has GPP upside uh, as well, especially at home. Um, and those are those are really the two primary offensive guys. Devion Harmon is still the point guard. He's still that kind of low ceiling 4x type of player. Safe minutes for Harmon. Yeah, yeah, super safe minutes. And and, and Victor Uwakor is at 4,500. He's had some increased minutes lately, uh, increased production. Um, but probably you know for $700 less, there's no reason not to go play Osibian. And uh, but I, I'm really intrigued to see what Brady Manick does. Uh, over the course of the, I mean, he is a guy you could count on for 30 points a game last year and, and certainly has upside. So he's kind of like a guy who can make or break your lineups on Saturday. I like it. Got anything else on that one, Bertie? That's it. That's all I see. I mean, uh, there's kind of, they're kind of using a more balanced approach this year. Um, so, so I think that's it. Shut the door. <laughs> oh boy. Man, I don't think that was going to make it. That. Put a bow on it. I mean, they're going to be so sad. <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey we got one more game in the treadwater section uh so let's take a look at uh creighton and providence and this is uh big east which is uh, which is where i i roam around we got an over under here at 146 same as that mizzou arkansas um game that we talked about a little bit ago creighton is a three and a half point favorite on the road um i do like creighton in that line early Taking a look at the Blue Jays, uh, we haven't seen them in a while on a DK slate, but they're kind of the same team. Um, Zagorowski's still underpriced at $7,000, so he's someone you can get in, and he's got a pretty safe uh, pretty safe floor with some GPP upside. Denzel Mahoney is 7300 He's the highest-priced Blue Jay. He's been incredible this year. Um, I, I think it's going to stick. You know, when he started going off to start the year, and, and let me know if you guys agree with this, we kind of thought it was just a couple games where he flashed because he did that last year once his transfer came through after January. But I think that's the real deal. His minutes are safe. His scoring safe. His rebounding skate is safe. Um, now, he does wear the goggles, which is a little awkward. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Mahoney this year? Yeah, he's shooting 42% from three in conference. Uh, he is not afraid to shoot the ball either. I mean, he gets the ball up. Uh, active rebounder uh, as well, you know, in the top 25 in rebounding in conference. So, yeah, I think he's a fun kind of active play. So he, he's a guy you can definitely look at. And then James, I know you you like BJ's, uh, <laughs> and, and I know you like Mitch Ballack. Any thoughts on him at his price point of 5300 One thing you really like about Mitch is that he – Plays 83% of the minutes, uh, which is awesome. So he's well over kind of 34 or 35 minutes a game, uh, which is awesome to see for a player at 5,300, right? I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think he's, uh, he's a pretty efficient player, um, shoots close to 40% from three. And so I, I think he's definitely somebody you could look at in this game uh, that's going to be a little bit more paced up. And, and Mitch just smashed a slate earlier in the year. You know, those shooters like him, if they get into a group, they can hit six, seven threes in a game and just win you a GPP. He's got that kind of shooting ability. Now, two other guys who are also pretty safe plays for Creighton are Christian Bishop and Damian Jefferson at forwards. 6,200 for Jefferson, 64 for Bishop. I like Jefferson because he does a little bit more. I know he flirted with a double or a triple-double earlier this year. Um, Bishop's more of a scoring and rebounding guy, but is the, the one of their few uh, post guys uh, that really can play inside. So, you know, he, he brings uh, some more opportunity for DK points in that region. I'm okay with either of those guys in cash would probably lean Jefferson. And then a name, if you guys haven't caught him yet, for all the Bucketheads listening, if you haven't seen Ryan Kalkbrenner yet, he's mm-hmm. someone they really like. He's 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 lanky. He's he's got a really soft touch around the rim. He's he's long. He can he can swat shots. Um, he's getting more and more acclimated in the paint. And when you talk about going up against an old school Big East bully and Nate Watson, Colt uh, Brenner could be utilized a little bit more in this. And at forty two hundred with his offensive ability as well, he could be in play. Yeah, I like it, Joe. Yeah, for me, Zagorowski at seven thousand just. I'm playing. Smash the button. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Brenner for folks that uh, follow basketball recruiting, Chet Holmgren is the number one recruit by far coming into yeah. next year. Uh, yeah. He had a game on ESPN earlier. 
uh, seven footer, real lanky, uh, very skilled. Would you say Joe Kalkbrenner is probably kind of a poor man, poor man's Holmgren, maybe? Very, 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 very poor man's. Holmgren's <laughs> phenomenal. Um, yeah, he's incredible. But he, he's just very fluid for a tall, tall, skinny, right. uh, soft touch kid. So there, there are similarities for sure. I do want to talk about Providence though, because Bird, my guy David Duke's 9500. Um, and that's that's just too much for me. Yeah, you can shut the door on playing him. <laughs> yeah, hey, nice. I like it. I love David Duke. This is a pace-up game. He does everything for this team. He's kind of the backbone for them. Uh, but at 9500 I'll find 700 bucks and go get Garza. You know, if you're going to do stars and scrubs, this is just not a star I would go with. He does have 27% usage, 27% shot share, but... Sometimes he's when he's off offensively, um, you're you're really just getting an average offensive player with good ancillary stats, and that's that that's not a ninety five hundred dollar player. Yeah, he's awesome, and he's probably yeah he'll get you what he's going to get you thirty six DK points, which is mm-hmm. great. But that's four X. Yeah, like like we said earlier, if you're if your studs tomorrow don't stud, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. It doesn't matter how many six X's you get out of the, the little guys. If your 9,500 guy has a fine game and gets 28, you know, and that's very, very possible for him tomorrow. I was going to ask about uh, AJ Reeves uh, on the wing there. looks like he's getting a lot more minutes. Um, not sure if there's a reason behind that, but uh, had 40 DK almost against DePaul. Is he a guy that, that we'd want to look at at 5,000? He's your classic shooter. He's only a junior, but it feels like he's been on this team forever. Yeah. Um, and he's been the same guy since he was a freshman. And he, he can get hot and he'll have a couple of good games a year. I would mark the DePaul game up as one of those. Um, but I, I think you can find better options for someone who's – he's got 54 threes up this year. That, that's pretty good. But he's yeah. only hit 15 of them, you know. <laughs> If he gets hot, he can do some damage, but you're really kind of you're, – you're kind of hoping. And definitely a, a dart throw. Well, and if you're looking at if you're looking at Creighton's uh, defensive point distribution, they're giving up 36% of their points from three, which is like 60th most in the nation. So they do get beat from three. A pace up game for Providence uh, at, at 5,000. I think he's you know an interesting tournament player. Like you said, he's got to make shots though, right? And that's why that's why he's a tournament option. He's, he's a shot dependent type of guy. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, I agree with that 100. I had almost leaned Jared Bynum at 5,100. He's the team's point guard. Um, really good player. Uh, has a strong assist rate for that team. We all know that uh, Ed Cooley's team function a lot better with a functioning point guard, and Bynum has proven to be that so far this year. Not a big-time scorer, but someone who has enough uh, has enough skill to be a little safer to hit value. We talked about Watson earlier. He's your number two option in the post. He's second on the team in usage, second on the team in the shot share, all behind Duke. Um, he's fine, safely priced. I don't really see anyone in uh, on, on Creighton's lineup who's going to check him or or or, uh, or uh, give him a nightmare. So I, I think he's a safe cash option for sure. But outside of that, you know, Greg Gant is a is a really athletic player, um, but he's still a developing offensive game. So he's an awesome defender uh, who can run and jump and get up and down the floor. But I, I don't think he's fantasy relevant right now. Watson and Cash, um, but really I'm probably off of Providence guys, despite the positive uh, game script. Yeah, grease up the hinges, Joe. Oh, to, I got that. That's great to shut the door. Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this thing. We gotta get t-shirts now. <laughs> no, no, too soon. Well, I'm gonna keep it going then, because we're gonna get into our dive in section. We have two games here. And the first one that I'm excited to talk about, and I know that, uh, Bird, you, you pinch hit this week and wrote up Florida for me, um, so you had exposure to Florida. But I want to talk about LSU and Florida. Um, that over-under is 153. It's the first game on our dive-in section. Florida's at home. They're a slim two-and-a-half point favorite. And uh, let's let's start with the Gators. Bird, do you just want to talk about your guy first? Uh, yeah, we can. We can talk about Deruji, who's a pogo stick out there. Came in, so obviously, you know, T. Johnson's gone for for Florida. Uh, doing better. It's great to see. You know, we, we were praying for him, so glad to see things are going well. But Anthony Deruji, former Louisiana Tech player, came in, started at power forward, unbelievably active. Just like I said, a pogo stick out there, blocking shots, rebounding, all over the place. He was super, super fun. And they did not adjust his price, and he's still super cheap. So we talked about uh, Osabian being a great option from West Virginia. But but also from the Florida perspective, we've got Deruji at 4,100. 
who's just going to be another really, really nice play. I think he'll be super, super high owned. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's explosive. He's, he's athletic. And I tell you what, give Mike White credit. He said he was going to play faster than he has in the past. They are a top 100 tempo team now. And honestly, uh, I think that Daruji fits what they want to do under this new, new tempo. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, huge loss to lose Keontae Johnson, but, uh, Daruji's going to be fun. And it, Florida played really, really hard. You can see that, you know, they're kind of, I think they're playing for key. And, and they were, their effort was was fantastic, especially uh, Scotty Lewis, Trey Mann. Uh, a, a lot of guys really stepped up, looked really good. Let's talk a little bit about the the, the hole that Key, Key Johnson left on that team. It looks like it was been temporarily filled by Colin Castleton, the former Michigan guy, James. He had 30 minutes last game. Yeah, he's looked really good. Um, he didn't do a whole lot when he was in Michigan. Um, it, obviously, they had a lot of depth there, but... But yeah, he's come in. The talent has been there for him. It's just been a matter of, of kind of maturity and, and getting used to the, the college game. Uh, but yeah, last game, 34 DK, uh, 23 points, five rebounds, two blocks, um, took 13 shots, 30 minutes. I mean, that's, that's what you love to see. Is that going to continue? And at 5,300, I think you can bank on that continuing. Uh, LSU has a couple of guys that, uh, I mean, they're an active team down low, but I, I think uh, the at 5,300, Castleton's definitely in play. Now, the two main guys for Florida this year have been Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis. Scotty Lewis looked great last game, really had a nice close, uh, and is at 7,700. Um, he's averaging around 31 DK a game, but really from a usage standpoint, if you're if you're looking to go that route, Trey Mann might be the better GPP option at 7,200. Trey Mann has that 26% usage in shot share. Um, he's the leading assist guy on the team. Um, he's really kind of running the show. You know, it's weird seeing Nemhart in Florida and Noah Locke all the way down at 4,000 because that was a starting backcourt last year. Now it's Trey Mann, Scotty Lewis that are running the show for this team. But I will say, going back to Locke, he's still getting minutes. At four thousand, I think you can uh, you can take a dart on him. I'd rather play him than AJ Reeves, who we just talked about in the last game. He's a shooter getting thirty minutes in a fast paced game. So Noah Lock at four thousand, who's with me? Yeah, I mean he can shoot the lights out. I think he's I think he's in play. And then uh, Tyree Appleby as well. I think uh, Florida will go a little small uh, now with with Key out. Scotty Lewis maybe moving over to the power forward a little bit. And, and Tyree Appleby looked really really good against Vanderbilt. Uh, he's at forty nine hundred, so he's priced up a little bit. And I guess that's the other, just, just understand that they also, they looked great against Vanderbilt and, and that, that team's a train wreck outside of Scotty Pippen. They're, they're bad. They're really bad defensively. Uh, Castleton's points were just given to him on a silver platter by the guards breaking people down. Um, mm-hmm. so they're not going to be able to do that as well against LSU, but there's still a lot of really, really nicely priced players from Florida and a super nice paced game. Florida number one in the nation at block percentage on defense, 20% block percentage. That's incredible. Well, uh, the people they're going to need, need to be blocking, though, are on the perimeter, and that's mainly uh, LSU's Cam Thomas. This freshman mm. has been ridiculous. Um, Cameron Thomas, he's 8,100 tomorrow. He has He's a freshman. He's lights it up. He's very scoring dependent, but that doesn't seem to not make him not hit his price. He's got a 38% shot share for this team. That's sixth most in the nation. So you're talking about a freshman guard at a power six conference. That's sixth in the nation in shot share. And uh, it's Cam Thomas from LSU. Um, have you guys been impressed with him? Super impressed. His offensive rating is really high too at 122 almost. And that's uh, that's really incredible for, for a freshman. Uh, low turnover rate, uh, doesn't doesn't foul, stays in the game, plays a lot of minutes. I mean, that's it's really, really impressive what he's doing. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's actually more expensive than Trenton Watford, who has really been the main guy for LSU from a DK's perspective. Watford comes in at 7,900, mainly due to his egg this week when he was 9,300. It just wasn't a game for him. I mean, Thomas did his thing. Days had a big one. Darius Days is capable of that. He's 7,600 tomorrow. He's a thick six foot seven athletic player who can get a double double at the half because he's so active around the rim and, and he's so opportunistic with his points. So days at 7,600 is a GPP option, but honestly, Trenton Watford at 7,900, you'd have to assume he's going to bounce back here. He's their biggest player at 610. Uh, a lot of times they run the offense through him. Um, he's a good passer, good rebounder, and he's normally good for close to 20 points a game. But like we said, he was a little off last game. 
From there, the last LSU player you can really consider is Javante Smart. Javante Smart's the point guard. He's had a couple of quiet days, so his price is down to 6800 but he's a, another pretty safe cash guy, plays good defense, distributes the basketball, and doesn't miss uh, opportunities. Essentially, after those four for LSU, unfortunately, it's kind of been a little bit of a guessing game. The next four guys between Wilkinson, Manning, uh, Cook and LeBlanc all play around 18, 20 minutes. Um, it's it's kind of frustrating. Uh, will Wade will go who go with who's hot or who's playing well or how he feels he matches up better. Josh LeBlanc is 3,700 tomorrow. He's someone we used to play a lot when he was at Georgetown before transferring. He got I think 18 or 19 minutes last game, and he he's similar to to days in size and, and style of play. So if I were looking at one of those four guys, LeBlanc might be a good option. Manning's the most proven. He's a guard at 4,200, but I just focus on the starters for LSU. Yeah, I like that. I like Javante's price at, at 6,800 for Javante Smart. I think that's a good one, and it'll be interesting to see. With, with Cam Thomas, I assume Scotty Lewis is going to be guarding him, long, athletic defender. Uh, we'll see what, what Cam can do with that because, I mean, uh, Scotty Lewis can go defensively, and he's he, he's good. Oh, yeah. He, he's elite defensively, but with, you know, again, without Key Johnson, what does that do? Then who's guarding Watford and Days? You know what I mean? So now you're leaving a big check by Castleton and Druji if they're both in the lineups at the same time. Or, you know, is, you know, Noah Locke's a bigger guard. Trey Mann's 6'3". They can probably guard multiple positions, but that'll be interesting to see how they match those up for sure. Yeah. But I, I agree. Uh, you know, one thing you know for sure is that Mike White is fully aware of what Cam Thomas can do and will have a plan for him. Yeah, this should be a fun game. I, I'm kind of looking forward to this one. Yeah, one one fifty three over under a tight line. Let's go. This is a this is a one o'clock central tip. So you know it's kind of later in your lineup to really start coming back at teams. So I, I'm all for it. You know the last game on here though is also a one o'clock tip. Oh, this was a hot one. It is. James set the stage for Iowa and Rutgers. And you know with your with your ACC game getting canceled, this is the only one you get to set the stage for. So make it good. <laughs> Uh, this is a pretty good game. I think you got an Iowa team that's uh, uh, dropped a couple here recently. They obviously lost the, the neutral site game against Gonzaga. Went on the road, uh, lost one at the at the barn to Minnesota in a high scoring affair. Took down Northwestern here recently, and now they're they're going to Rutgers. And Rutgers, you know, they've they're not a team that maybe a lot of people outside the Big Ten really pay much of attention to. They haven't been good for many many years up until recently. Coach Pico, when he's when he stepped in, uh, he's really turned this team around. He's changed the attitude. They play very aggressively, really good defensively, really good offensively, like to play with pace. And so they're, they're a little bit different team. They've only lost one game in the, at the rack in almost two years. They're very good at home. Um, I don't think this is a gimme game for Iowa, even though they're favored slightly. Uh, I think it'll be a tough game. The, the real big key to this game is Ron Harper Jr. Uh, he's uh, Rutgers' best player. Is he going to play? Uh, we don't really know yet. I don't think uh, there's any news, at least as uh, – of doing the podcast here. So keep an eye on that because that's going to be a, a huge swing in what we're doing from a DFS standpoint. He, right now he's priced at 9,100, very high priced player. He's been incredible this year, um, can do it all. He's really shooting the ball well. But if he can't go, uh, and what we saw in the last game uh, against Purdue, which they won, some of the other guys had to step up and they did. So you had uh, Geo Baker, he had kind of been out with with injury he's come back here recently he had 39 dk in 37 minutes uh, so he he really kind of picked up some of that scoring burden but i think the other guys too jacob young who was kind of dealing with a hip injury he came back he didn't have a great game but you know he's a prolific scorer but you know these guys are you know baker at 6200 jacob young 6700 montez mathis at 6800 uh had a fantastic game had 24 five real points uh 34 dk so if Ron Harper Jr. can't go. I think I almost think you could stack those guys against an Iowa defense is pretty sure. bad, right? Just the wings, though. I mean, you're not going down to Miles Johnson, though, are you? Well, Miles Johnson is going to be pretty important in this game, probably more on the defensive side. I think he, he's a player that's uh, really kind of anchors him defensively in the middle. He obviously has a big task going against Garza. If he gets into foul trouble, it's going to change the complexion of the game and it's going to make somebody like Garza. You know, he had 61 at Minnesota, <laughs> 61 DK. So he, it doesn't matter where he's playing, who he's playing against. But if they if they lose Johnson, especially if um, Amarui 
they're they're freshman big. If he's he's been hurt, if he can't go, uh, that's really leaves nobody. They'll be playing very small down low, so that's a that's a pretty big risk factor. What, what do you got on the Iowa side of this? Uh, we know Garza, we know Weiskamp, but are we flipping coins for after that? Or what? Well, actually, let's not get the card ahead of the porch. Tell us what do you expect? From <laughs> yeah, I think Garza. You know, obviously, ten two is where he's at right now. It's not his highest of the year, but it's obviously you know you're paying up, way up for him. It's not a bad matchup. Uh, Rutgers can be good defensively, um, so there is maybe a little bit of risk there. Uh, but I think he's he's a fairly safe play. If Miles Johnson, again, gets into foul trouble, uh, Cliff Amarone's not playing, he, he could have a big one. I mean, he could have a real big one. So, you know, I think that GPP is definitely uh, in play for him. Uh, Wieskamp, uh, he, he's been terrific this year. He didn't have a great game against Northwestern. They didn't really need him. Um, but he plays a ton of minutes. Uh, we talked about this before, but he's a guy that can go out. He had nine rebounds, uh, kind of three games straight there with Gonzaga, Purdue, Minnesota. So he, he's a pretty safe play, good cash play. Um, his pricing is kind of stuck around kind of that 7,000, uh, range. And so I, I think he's still very playable in this game. Uh, maybe not my favorite play, but, uh, Bohannon is somebody that has been there for, I don't know, six, seven years, it seems like. He had 40 DK, uh, completely shot the lights out uh, against Northwestern. I don't know if I trust him a lot. I think he's firmly a GPP play. Same with CJ Frederick. He's uh, another guy that's playing a little bit better lately. He got off to a slow start, was terrific last year when Bohannon was out. Um, but he's playing quite a few minutes lately here too, over 35 minutes, 34 minutes the last three games. So he started to kind of turn it around, had 5X, 6X games. Uh, here recently so he's somebody i think you can look at in gpp as well once you get past that i i would say it's almost nobody <laughs> there's almost yeah. nobody left what about what about your boy jack Nungy, jack? He, yeah jack nungy I don't, I don't know what happened to jack nungy he's uh only had eight minutes uh the last two games <laughs> so i don't know if he sort of played himself out of the rotation or if uh you know they're just playing the matchups um it, it's tough to say and really with a team like iowa that They'll do that, right? Fran likes to tinker. Sometimes they'll play with a lot of depth and, and kind of bring guys in. But, uh, you know, I guess if you really want to stretch out uh, a guy like Keegan Murray, he got 21 minutes. That's probably where Jack Nungy's minutes went. Uh, but he ended up with uh, 15 DKs, only priced at 3,900. So, you know, he would be a complete dart in this game, of course. But, uh, you know, you always have to kind of keep an eye on those uh, types of players that Iowa. Hey, Bert, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to stack three guys from this game. Even though your real end will probably have four or five. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I think it is going to have a lot, and I think, like James said, it depends on on Ron Harper Jr. Uh, right. I think that's a big yeah. part of it. Uh, a couple things before I jump into that. Uh, one, you don't get to play Jack Nungy because you have to play your sons, right? So they have to get minutes, <laughs> and, and so that's why Jack Nungy doesn't get minutes. For Rutgers, Paul Mulcahy, especially if Harper doesn't play, yeah. is going to play mid thirties minutes at forty six hundred. He's got 20 DK back to back. He's one of those players where if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you want to pull a Brad Davison to him. He's actually kind of a lot like Brad Davison a little bit. <laughs> That's um, true. But he, he good player, good and, and at 4600, I think he's really good. Yeah. Uh, like you said, CJ Frederick, I like that he's been playing mid 30 minutes lately um, at that price point. I think that's really nice. Um, so Joe, to get to your question, I'm, I'm going to play Garza. Yeah. I'm going to play Jacob Young. Yep. In a bounce back spot here uh, as a guy who has 40 DK upside. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play Mulcahy if Harper's out. Okay. Um, so those will be my three. I do think Harper, if he does play, nobody's going to press the button with the Q tag next to him coming off of a missed game and an ankle injury at you know against Iowa, one of the fastest paced teams in the nation, yeah. refuses to play defense like – He's going to be a kind of a fun, low-owned GPP yeah. target. He may stink, but holy cow, has he been awesome this year. Yeah, and I, th- I think if Harper's out, you also look at Geo Baker. That's a guy that's been there a long time and was the guy for a while. If you guys remember a couple yeah. of years ago, he's the guy. He's kind of their like late-game, late-clock shot maker. You know, the guy that can kind of go get his own shot. Um, he's that type of player. So, you know, a big game like this against Iowa, they want to make a statement. Harper's out. I mean, he's probably going to be the guy that's going to have the ball in his hands, at least late in the game, for sure. Hey, I got a question for you, James. What's the price cap where you stop considering Weisskamp? 
I mean, we know he's a terrific shooter. He pulls down some good rebounds. He's had some awesome games. Mm-hmm. But at 7,000, I was smashing the button. Uh, under 7,000, I was smashing the button. Now as he inches up closer to 8, at what point do you start teetering a little bit? Yeah, I think that 8,000 is probably, you know, it depends on what you're doing. You know, I think Joe, what we talked about with Wies Camp in the past was, that, you know, he, he's just he's a great cash play. Right. He's a guy that you would want in all your cash lineups anytime he's on a slate. When you get into the GPP, it really it's it's really pricing dependent at that point, right? If he's closer to, you know, high sixes, I think he's an incredible GPP play. Once he gets over close to eight or over eight, like he's been a couple times, it gets pretty dicey. He's only hit five X a couple times in that you know in that area. He's capable. Uh, he's yeah. capable as a guy that just has to get hot, right? Which he can do in a heartbeat. But I think once you get up to that higher price, eight thousand, that's when I, I maybe start to fade him in uh, tournaments. Makes sense. Awesome guys. Awesome. That's that's going to be a fun game. We're, they're really the the dive in section has two just smash games at the end. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. James, good job uh, on on that game. I thought you did really well, and and I agree with your Geo Baker comment. And I, I think he's probably a really really great cash game play. This is, I mean, even though Ron Harper's our best player, he's the main kind of the lifeblood of that team. So I think right. it's going to follow up. Sure. All right, guys. Well, hey, um, since we're recording this during the day on Friday, we don't have prize picks information available right now. So we'll have to uh, get on the text train with each other and then we can tweet out at from at CBB underscore DFS our three prize pick selections. Uh, we had a winner this week um, that the promo still active there, right, Bert? It is. Yeah, it's still active. Active. You can use the promo code CBB DFS uh, or quick click on the link. We've had a few tweets out there with a link. Uh, that you can click on, you get a 100% uh, deposit match if you use our promo code. So, so check that out. We'll throw out some winners on Saturday. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. I mean, I, I know that uh, we hit that three for three on Wednesday. Um, it's that's a quick five x if you're not doing the flex play. So, it, it kind of pays for the week if you have some up and downs. But it, it's been a I'm still on my initial deposit and I haven't even gotten into my part of the cash. So it, it's been fun. It's you competing against a line that set and not other folks. It's a nice alternative. Sometimes they have some games that aren't on the slate so you can get some action there. And sometimes those will make our selections as well. Yeah. You can also go out to Twitter um, at, at CBB underscore DFS. Uh, we have a pinned tweet out there. Uh, if you would like to donate, uh, we do, we do all this for free uh, or, you know, we're here to help you win money. Um, but, but if you, if you feel like giving us, throwing us a bone, uh, we will, we will take it. We'll use that to invest in our, in our non-income producing business and, and try to, you know, continue to provide you guys the tools and, and, and resources that you need to, to win all the money. We got a, we got a donation yesterday, didn't we? Ten we bucks? did. We got a few donations. I really appreciate it. Bucketheads are just, you guys are awesome. We, we, we love you. We love being part of the community and, uh, just, just very humbled and, and happy to be, to be one of your resources to help, uh, help you with your CBB lineups. You know, I, I was thinking about that the other day when I just sent the Merry Christmas tweet out. You know, it's something simple like, hey, Merry Christmas. And I, I think a lot of businesses or sites send out a Merry Christmas or a Happy New Year tweet just because they have to. But like when I send that and I know, Bird, you've sent some of these and James, you've sent some of these before. You like genuinely mean it. You like you're like, I want that guy who won last week to read this tweet and know that we wished him a Happy New Year. <laughs> it's it's weird. It, it's it's like the community aspect of this is just my favorite. Yeah, well, that's how we were built, though, right? Like we, you know, when when everybody else was out playing one on one against each other, we were trying to find ways of, of how we could beat other people, right? And so it's kind of same concept here. We want to try to find ways for for our for our bucket heads to to win. Like we're we're all about the us instead of instead of the me. And so that's probably why we're a little bit different than maybe some of the other folks out there. That is that is well said. All right, James, what did we miss? Any parting thoughts? You know what? I I don't have any parting thoughts other than you know I'm really happy to get past uh, like most of us uh, kind of a rough year last year, uh, not only in sports but in real life uh, also. And so. Uh, 2021's here. We want to make it better than ever. We want to keep trying to give you guys uh, great content as best we can and for you guys to be as successful as you can at uh, CBB DFS. So really appreciate it. Heartfelt thanks from us, as we've already mentioned. Uh, if you get a chance to get out and rate the podcast, uh, give us a review. We'll read it on the air like we did earlier. Subscribe. Get out to our Twitter uh, feed at CBB underscore DFS website, CBB DFS.com. Every day, almost during the week, we're posting stuff out there. Um, so we really hope you guys like it. Love your feedback and uh, win all the money, Bucketheads. Have a great year. Bye.